So now it is my pleasure uh, to welcome up Nina Miller. So a lot of you know Nina, uh, but in case you don't, let me tell you a little bit about Nina. Nina is a senior at Virginia Tech. Uh, She is studying agricultural business, uh, which is going to be great for now. But Nina, like she said earlier, uh, just this week received news. Nina's felt a call to ministry in her heart. And just this week she found out that she is now a certified candidate for ordained ministry in the United Methodist Church, which is awesome news. Uh, Yeah, let's give her a round of applause. So as a part of that call, uh, Nina has a gift of preaching. Uh, I got to hear this message earlier. You are going to be blessed as you hear Nina share this word. So Nina, rock it out. (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Thank you all for allowing me the opportunity to be up here this morning. Um, For those of you who were expecting Jonathan, I apologize. For those of you who knew that I was preaching this morning, I don't know why you're here. (laughs) But this morning, we are going to start our last week of the sermon series that we've been talking about, Many Roads, One Destination. So I guess you can say we're reaching our final destination now. You know, we all have roads that we have in our lives. We took physical roads to get here this morning, or at least I did. I don't know if anybody slept here last night, but um, we also have roads in our faith journey. Uh, So week one, we talked about the Jericho Road and how serving others uh, the way that the Samaritan did on the road to Jericho can lead us closer to Jesus and also can be an entry point to our faith. Then the next week, we talked about the Damascus Road and how our faith can lead us to have life-changing experiences like Saul did as he became Paul. And As we continue to search for God, we continue to evolve and develop into who God has called us and made us to be. Then last week we talked about the road to Emmaus and how that serves as a reminder that whether or not we see Jesus in our lives, he's always there with us. And then this morning we're going to talk about the road that's maybe a little less traveled, uh, the road that Ruth and Naomi took together from Moab to Judah. It's found in Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 through 18, and it's going to be up on the screen behind me. If you want to read along in your Bibles, that's great. Um, And at this time, I also want to invite you, if you don't have a Bible and you want to read along, there are Bibles back there uh, underneath the sign for uh, Mike's small group. Um, Go ahead and grab one. If you don't have a Bible at home that you can read or understand, we invite you to take that with you as well. Um, But before we get to that point, uh, would you all pray with me? Hey God, I just thank you so much for this awesome community that you have allowed me to be a part of. God, I thank you so much that this community doesn't allow me to travel alone and it doesn't allow other folks to travel alone either. God, open our hearts so that we can hear your message this morning, so that we can see you working in our lives, and so that we can be you to other people. In your name we pray, amen. So Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 through 18 says, But Elimech, Naomi's husband, died. Then only she was left, along with her two sons. They took wives for themselves, Moabite women. The name of the first was Orpah, and the second was Ruth. And they lived there for about ten years. Both of the sons, Malon and Chilion, also died. Only the woman was left without her two children and without her husband. Then she arose along with her daughters-in-law to return from the field of Moab, because while in the territory of Moab she had heard that the Lord had paid attention to his people by providing food for them. 
She left the place where she had been, and her two daughters-in-law went with her. They went along the road to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, turn back, each of you to the household of your mother. May the Lord deal faithfully with you, just as you have done with the dead and with me. May the Lord provide for you so that you may find security, each woman in the household of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. But they replied to her, No, instead, we will return with you to your people. Naomi replied, Turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Will there again be sons in my womb, that they will be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters. Go, I am too old for a husband. If I were to say that I have hope, even if I had a husband tonight, even more, if I were to bear sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you refrain from having a husband? No, my daughters. This is more bitter for me than for you, since the Lord's will has come out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth stayed with her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and to her gods. Turn back after your sister-in-law. Ruth replied, Don't urge me to abandon you, to turn my back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me, and more so if even death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. This is the word of God for the people of God. So I'm going to step out on a limb and kind of make a little bit of an assumption here. Um, or I think it's pretty obvious that I'm a pretty big football fan. And so one of the stories that I really thought about after reading the scripture was the story of Michael Orr. Um, Michael Orr was a first-round draft pick in 2009 for the Baltimore Ravens um, and has played in Super Bowl 47. He's had a really successful football career. But I think most of us probably know him a little bit better from his role in the story, The Blind Side. Um, But for those of you who don't know Michael's story or may not know uh, the full bit about his story, Michael's mom was an alcoholic and was addicted to cocaine. His dad was in and out of prison all throughout his uh, early childhood and was actually killed when Michael was a senior in high school. So Michael spent a lot of his younger years in and out of foster homes, um, most of which he ran away from. So he spent a lot of time on the streets and couch hopping um, from you know friend's place to another place. Michael didn't start playing football until he was a freshman in high school. He played for a public high school in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And an auto mechanic, who was kind of an acquaintance of his, helped him to apply to Briarcrest Christian School, where Michael was accepted to play football and eventually met the Tui family. Now, the Tui family was a pretty wealthy family. They owned a lot of Taco Bells, if you go according to what the movie says. Um, But as they got to know Michael, and as Michael became friends with their youngest son, SJ, um, they learned more about his story, and they realized that Michael needed someone to journey with him. So they adopted him into their family. 
Now, one of the scenes from the movie uh, has Leanne Tui, the mother of the family, having lunch with uh, some of her friends. And her friends are trying to understand, you know, why are you all adopting this kid that you really don't know into your family? And, like, how is your family adjusting to that? And towards the end of the conversation, one of her friends says, you know, Leanne, what you're doing is a really great thing. You are changing that boy's life. To which Leanne responds, nah. No, that boy is changing my life. Changing lives is what journeying on the road with other people is all about. The Tuies were transformed by their relationship with Michael. They thought they were setting out to help this kid who didn't really have anybody, but they also got changed in the process. They were able to see more of God as they grew in their love for Michael and walked with him on his life journey. If we look back to the scripture lesson, the same thing happens to Ruth. Ruth came from Moab, which uh, they didn't worship God, they worshiped other gods. Um, But Ruth tells Naomi, I'm going with you, and I'm going to worship your God, and I'm going to be a part of your people because I love you. You know, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're feeling pretty lonely on your faith journey or, or in your walk. But there are people that are willing to go with you. Maybe you have a great support system around you, and that's fantastic. And maybe you can be like Leanne Tui or like the Tui family and step out and help someone who maybe doesn't have the support system that you do. As we talk about the different roads of our faith journey, it's important to also recognize that other people's roads are different from ours. And some of these different roads could be that they are on a faith journey, but right now they're stopped and and turned around because they've been hurt. And they don't want to see God right now. They just want to be left alone. Maybe they're on a journey of a different faith um, and a different religion. Or... They could be on no journey at all, but they still have roads in their lives that they're on that they need people to be with them going through. It's important to note that we are not responsible for the salvation of other people. It's not our job to make sure that they get saved by the end of their life and make sure that they know God, but it's our responsibility to not let them go through life alone. It's not easy. There are a lot of habits that when I'm with friends that maybe aren't as positive in my life that I pick up that I'm embarrassed about. I'm not too happy to say I have those habits. And we can get criticized for that pretty easily too. I mean, if we look at Jesus, Jesus hung out with um, fishermen, the smelly, stinky, not-so-intelligent folks of society, the tax collectors who cheated everybody, women, prostitutes, the blind and the lame, and folks that were on different journeys than the one he was on. Even though those relationships made his life extremely difficult to the point where he was killed, he chose to be in those relationships out of his love for God and his love for those people. He invited them to have opportunities to change but he invited them to have the opportunities. He didn't force those upon them. The most 
integral part, I think, when we think about sharing the road with other people or being a part of someone else's journey is allowing them to be a part of yours as well. I know that's probably one of the most difficult things for me to do because I want to make it seem like, hey, I've got it all together, I'm good, let me help you out. When in all reality, I need people too. If we look at Naomi, she persuaded or at least attempted to persuade Ruth and Orpah to go on. She's like, look, I'm too messed up right now. I don't have anything to offer you. You're going to get drug into this crazy mess. It's really not worth you coming along with me. Please stay back. Take care of yourselves. I'll be fine. But Ruth was like, uh-uh, that ain't happening. <laughs> Ruth was persevering through all of Naomi's objections and traveled with her. And because of that, again, she was able to meet God. Maybe you can relate to Naomi's situation. Maybe you're in a spot right now in life that seems pretty crappy. You know, things aren't really looking up. And if you invite someone in, you might think, well, that's going to cause them too much stress. I don't really want to have to, you know, let them know about this or, or that's just too much for someone else to handle. I can't really be open and share that. But I think when we allow people to share those parts of our journey, in our lives, we're able to feel community the way God intended it to feel. Um, as we have kind of mentioned a couple times, earlier this week I had an interview with the District Committee for Ordained Ministry. And last week I asked for you all's prayers, which honestly I didn't really want to do. But I'm glad that I did because as I was waiting Thursday for that Skype call to come through and for this interview to begin, I started to feel super nervous. I didn't know where the interview was going to lead, what the questions were going to be about. And then I stopped for a minute. I was in Jonathan's office, and I thought about all the folks who came up to me during the service or after the service and said, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. Hey, let me know what I can do to help you out. And then I realized no matter what happens in this interview, if they accept me or if they say, hey, no, you're going to have to stay back or maybe this isn't for you, I realized that... There's a group of people here that care. And I didn't have to go through it alone. So maybe if you're feeling like Naomi this morning, there's somebody in here that is ready and willing to be there for you. And I'd invite you to maybe try and seek someone out. Whether it's someone in here, whether it's Jonathan or myself, talk to somebody. Because going through life alone isn't really fun. Maybe there's someone outside of the Fieldstone community as well that could use uh, someone to be a part of their life. Or maybe there's someone outside the community that you would like to be invited into yours. I encourage you and I challenge you to take that step and to actually talk to them and to really be persistent about what's going on in their life and what's going on in yours. Taking that step out on vulnerability is really scary, but it has a lot of rewards. You know, we can't always assume that other people always have folks that will show up when they need them. I think a lot of times when I see somebody who's, you know, sitting alone maybe in the dining halls, I'm like, oh, they probably have somebody, you know, catching up or, oh, I've, you know, I've got to go to class, like, I don't have time right now. But I think if we take that second to stop and put those folks before ourselves to serve those folks like Ruth served Naomi, 
I think God is going to bless us just as much as God blesses those people. There's one more story that I want to share with you all about a social worker from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A lot of the clients that this social worker saw came to her looking for financial assistance, and she found a lot of it came from they were having troubles with their cars. They had old, high-mileage cars that needed a lot of maintenance and fixing up, but they couldn't get a new one because they couldn't afford the payments that came along with that, or maybe their credit wasn't that great. She found herself thinking quite a lot, you know, someone should do something about that. There's got to be someone that can help these people, right? I mean, there's a lot of mechanics in the world, and somebody should be able to do something. And then after a while, she realized, oh, wait, maybe that person is me. So at the age of 38, Kathy Haying quit her job and enrolled in automotive school. She now runs a nonprofit garage in Minneapolis called The Lift. And since 2008, that garage has served over 300 low-income individuals and saved them over $170,000. Kathy stepped out and sacrificed of herself the way that someone had sacrificed for her so that they could know Jesus in a whole new way. And in light of all the things that are happening in our world, I have to wonder what it would look like if we did the same thing as Kathy Haying or Leanne Tui or Michael Orr and stepped out and really invited someone into that vulnerable space, that space that is uncomfortable but we need people to be in with us. I wonder what would happen if we tried to keep, stop keeping people at an arm's distance or if we were intentional about going and building relationships with people who had very different beliefs or viewpoints than us. Because I think we would find a lot more commonalities than we realize. But the only way that we're going to be able to find that out is if we step outside of our comfort zone and go and do that and be the hands and feet that Jesus calls us to be. And I think we find that in the effort to change other folks' lives, our lives change as well. Will you all pray with me? God, I ask that as we ponder on the message that you have brought this morning, that you would give us the courage to step outside of our comfort zones, to sacrifice of ourselves in the ways that these folks have demonstrated for us. And God, help us to be the example to the world that we so desperately need to see. We thank you for all of your blessings and for all that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.